Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Business Leadership Today podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tenney. As an active CEO, my goal is to build and sustain world-class organizations that make a positive impact on the lives of employees and on the global community. I have a lot of questions regarding how we can continuously get better and achieve our goals. Through this podcast, we reach out to top thought leaders to get answers to those questions and we give you the opportunity to listen to their answers too. This episode is part of a series we're doing on how to build a high performance culture that doesn't burn people out. My guest today is Mike Figliolo. Mike is a former officer in the US Army and a West Point grad. And after leaving the Army, Mike worked as a consultant with McKinsey and then went on to hold executive roles at Capital One and the Scott's Miracle Grow Company. Mike then founded Thought Leaders because he believes that practitioners make the best instructors and because he has a passion for people development and organizational improvement. Mike is the author of three books, One Piece of Paper, Lead Inside the Box, and The Elegant Pitch. And he's also one of the top authors on LinkedIn Learning, where his video-based training courses have been viewed millions of times. I am very excited to hear Mike's thoughts today, which are based on years of senior leadership experience combined with consulting with a large number of companies and individual leaders, which gives him the opportunity to work on other people's businesses. And in my view, this is what allows people to see trends, which can be most helpful. So I'm excited for you to listen into this too. Mike, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, Matt, it's great to be here. Thanks so much. And I did note the emphasis on years, implying that uh, I got a little bit more gray than I used to. So uh, <laughs> I, I'll take it as a backhanded compliment. All right. <laughs> it, w- it was meant to be a complete compliment, no backhand <laughs> intended at all. So Mike, um, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to share your thoughts on what are the 10 most important things that we as leaders need to be doing if we want to build and sustain a high performance culture that's not going to burn our people out. Before we do that, though, uh, would you share the story? Uh, I believe it was from your book, Lead Inside the Box, um, about the importance of leading team members according, not to some algorithm about what everyone needs, but according to their individual needs. Can you kick us off with that? Absolutely. So I'm all about understanding your people as individuals. And that's one of the topics I wanted to talk about today and had one individual on my team who was awesome. And every time I'd see him coming down the hall, he had a huge smile on and you couldn't help but like wave him into your office to sit down with you and be like, let's talk. And I already knew he's coming to me to talk to me. And I'd spend all this time with him and he'd ask, well, hey, boss man, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? He always called me boss man, which I thought was a riot. and I give them answers and it made me feel really smart because I was giving them answers. And then one week I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't get anything done this week. How did that happen? And I look at my calendar. I was like, well, on Monday I talked to him. And then in the afternoon we talked about this. And then Tuesday we talked about this. And then I talked to him again. Oh my gosh, I spent all my time with him this week. And I stopped and I thought, I was like, okay, well, you should give your people their, your time when they need it. And I thought about what are the things that we talked about? And I realized every single one of those things, he knew the answer and he was more than capable of making the decision and moving on. I said, how did I end up spending so much time with him because of that? I mean, he knew these answers. And one was, I realized I hadn't been deliberately empowering him and explicitly empowering him as much as I should have. And the second thing was, it felt good when people come to you for solutions 
it's it's really seductive. It's like I feel smart and I feel valuable and I'm a servant leader and I have an open door. So you know, I sat down with them later in the week. I said, "Look, you know, I got to stop talking to you. You're, you're taking up too much of my time." <laughs> and and we could have this conversation. He started laughing. And I said, "Look, all those decisions you came to me with. Do you know what I was going to say?" He's like, "Yeah, actually, I know what you would have said in all of them." I said, I, "We can't be spending that time. I only want you coming in and talking when you don't know what to do." I said, everything else, I trust you. You are empowered. Go make these decisions. You know everything that you're doing. You've got to go do it. And it took a little while to unwind the behavior for both of us. But just really understanding how capable he was and leading him the way he needed to be led and getting over some of the things that I didn't realize were going on with me made him more effective and me more efficient along the way. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, uh, I, I can see, you know, I got a chance to get a sneak preview of the, the 10 ideas you're going to share. And I can see how a couple of those are illustrated by that story. So um, let's go ahead and let's hear in your view, Mike, what do you think are the, are the 10 most important things that we need to be doing as leaders if we want to have a sustainable, high performance culture? Um, yeah, just to rattle them off real quick. Adhere to the 80-20 rule maniacally. Saying no, it's the smallest word, but it's the most important word. Say no to the things that are off strategy or don't matter. Be decisive. Even in situations of massive ambiguity, take action. Understand what actions you can take, even in the face of that uncertainty. Uh, know your team members as individuals. We just covered that one. Um, rubber bands. Understand your work and think about it like a rubber band and how we're going to stretch and grow. Realize that culture is the sum of your daily actions. So those small actions every day that are the ones that define your culture. Um, you can't lead if you're dead. And <laughs> that's coming from the guy who's had two heart attacks and some, uh, you know, unpleasantly close uh, experiences with that one. Um, really understanding skill and will in your team members and knowing what the deficiency is and what actions to take. In either case, make the investments in training. Got to develop your people. And last is focusing your time on the employees and team members as individuals versus cogs in a machine. Awesome. All right. Well, as is often the case, Mike, I would like to have a 20-minute discussion with you on each one of these. Um, for the sake of time, we're going we're gonna to pick a few here to go deep um, for the audience here and just to go a little bit deeper into what is it that you're talking about and how do we execute on it? So of course, the first one that has uh, kind of that draw you in with some ambiguity type title is um, be decisive, even in ambiguity. So even when there's just, there's just no necessarily clear right thing to do, you're saying be decisive. So you know, I, I think there I could glean some ways that this is, of course, really important. But I'd like to hear from you. Like, first, um, why do you see this being so important for leaders in, in the context of creating a, a high performance culture? Your team is looking at you during times of uncertainty, and they're watching your reaction. And if you're taking action, even if it's not right action, it's best guess action. If you're taking action, they feel like okay, we're making our way through this uncertainty. If you sit there frozen, there are there are plenty of dead, indecisive squirrels in the world, right? I mean, you've driven down the road, they hit the middle of the road. 
I don't know, should I go left? Should I go right, left, right? And all of a sudden that's it, game over. And, <laughs> and that's how you are as a leader if you're not taking action. And what you've got to understand is what is really ambiguous and what can I control? And what ambiguity is going to resolve itself in the future? What ambiguity can I resolve today or at least basically contingency plan for it and say, hey, there's a spectrum of outcomes here. And if that's the spectrum of outcomes, here's action I can take today. So you look at you know the pandemic, right? I run a leadership training business and our business model was fly people from all over the place, put them in a room together for extended periods of time and everybody talk. Well, COVID hits, you're not doing that anymore and your calendar gets mm. real empty. So that's a huge time of uncertainty for my firm. And people are saying, what are we going to do? How do we handle this? All our clients just canceled all our engagements. And you sit there and say, okay, what can I control? I can't control COVID. I can't control how, it, how long it goes. I can't control my clients' actions and their responses to it. What can I control? Well, I can control what activities we do every single day now. And we're not doing training now. So what other activities would be valuable that no matter what the future holds, these will be valuable activities. And right. we immediately said, you know what? Building an e-learning platform is no regrets. If COVID continues, that'd be great. And we have a virtual capability. If COVID ends quickly, well, we have a new capability. So this is let's act, right? There's tons of ambiguity out there, but here's an action we can take right now. And honestly, it's one of the best decisions that I've made in the 17 years of running the firm is just acting in that moment and taking decisive action. Right. So it's almost like, um, you know, I, I think at the strategic level, if, if leaders can find um, some type of solution that's as evergreen as possible, that's always, that's always a great thing, right? It's something that's recession resistant, that's evergreen. Um, and it's almost like this ambiguous, in many, in many instances, terrible situation that we found ourselves in in a global pandemic helped you find something that maybe out of comfort you hadn't noticed before. Is that is that right? Well, I think it's, you know, we knew it was there. It just wasn't a priority. We didn't have the time, but right. all of a sudden it becomes a lot more pressing than that. And, you know, I look back on the decision and at the time I knew it was right. No matter what, we're going to have a new asset. Is it going to be super valuable or not very valuable? I don't know that. I don't know how the future will play out, but I know I'm building an asset that we can build on in the future. And as a result of acting quickly, um, we were up in 2020. 2019 was a record year. 2020, we were up by 7%. And that's with oh, Q2 being zero. Right. This year, we're going to be up 47%. 47, not 4.7, 47%. Wow. And it's because we built that capability last year when we had all that free time. And, and everything we're doing this year is built upon that thing back. Right. Mm. Well, one question I had as you uh, were kind of first starting off there is, you know, there's a fine line between acting impulsively, right? Where there's no, there's not a whole lot of thought at all put into something and being the squirrel that just can't make a decision. You just hem and haw and, and then you're dead, right? So how do you, um, how do you kind of find that sweet spot where you've got enough preparation to feel confident in the decision you're making, but where you're, you haven't missed an opportunity or lost, lost your life because of taking too long. Yeah, I, I think part of it is understanding the cost of inaction, right? Too many times we look at, 
here's the cost of me acting. And if I do this, there's an investment, I'm gonna spend a bunch of money, I don't know what the return is, right? And, and we look at that, we, we stall, and we say, I, I'm not ready to commit to that. It's like, okay, great, hey, you're not ready to commit to that. What's the cost of doing nothing, right? So, so let's go back to this context of us building an e-learning platform. What's the cost of me building it? Well, it was a lot of hours, it was some money, it wasn't a huge financial investment, but it was a lot of hours for me and my team and I was going to be time not spent selling, right? But right. there wasn't anything to sell at the time. So right. the, that was the cost, huge time investment. What's the cost of inaction? I won't have a business. <laughs> if, if I can't deliver training virtually, I'm going back to corporate, right? And that's like the worst outcome I can possibly think of. <laughs> so, you know, if you think about the cost of inaction, all of a sudden it dimensionalizes the investment you're trying to make. And it makes it a much easier trade-off, right? I, I have a CEO I'm coaching right now and he has an individual on his team who he needs to get rid of. He just does. But it's like, well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And there's a cost of him firing him, right? right. But there's also a cost of not doing it. And mm. it's his other 15 team members that are getting frustrated with this individual and frustrated with the CEO because they look and they say, this guy's not performing. Why aren't you firing him? I'm living up to the standard, but he's posting, right? And, and when you dimensionalize it and say, here's the cost of acting and it's going to be painful and there's severance and, you know, hiring somebody new. But the cost of inaction is I might lose some of these high performers. Mm. All of a sudden the decision gets really clear and it puts it in balance. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, and, and it can appear ambiguous at first, uh, but it doesn't look what I'm hearing you say is it doesn't take a whole lot of analysis to just really think, well, is the cost of inaction clearly worse than the cost, the potential cost of acting um, that can help speed up the decision, right? You know, the, the other thing to realize is there are very few decisions in life that are irrevocable, right? Mm -hmm. So I could have started down the path and said, you know what, really going to need an e-learning platform. Let's start building this thing, shooting a bunch of courses. And all of a sudden COVID goes away. Right. And and it lasts much shorter than I expected. And clients are like, hey, we're going to do the in-person training. It's like, OK, I can make a different decision tomorrow. Stop shooting videos and like go sell. Right. right? It, it's not irrevocable. And, and that's the flaw in a lot of our decision making, too, is I can make another decision tomorrow. Right. And I can make another one tomorrow as this uncertainty resolves. Right now, granted, do I want to be right on the first shot? Yeah. But I'm not entirely committed to this. Right. Right. Well, you know, this, this leads into the next one I wanted to ask you about. So, you know, you were talking about how this is strategy, right? And the, the decisions you're making at the strategic level on a daily basis, they, they can always be undone with the next decision. Um, and so it's really about what are you doing every single day? And you had mentioned as one of the things we need to be focused on as leaders is that our culture is the sum of our daily activities. And this one, I, I really want to hear your thoughts on because this is just something I see as being way too prevalent where people think of culture and they think, oh, we're going to slap up some pretty culture, some core values on the wall. We're going to have some nice perks. Everyone seems like they're having fun. And that's a culture that's, that's going to succeed. And I just don't think that it is. <laughs> so right. let's talk. I'd like to hear your thoughts on, hey, this is not just something you, you can't just talk this. This is your culture truly is the sum of your daily actions. So um, first, Make sure that I'm on the mark. Can you describe what you mean by this? Your culture is the sum of daily actions. And then we'll talk about how we execute on this. Yeah, your, your people are watching you all the time. Even when you think they're not, they are, 
and the word is getting around. So people who aren't even watching you firsthand are watching you second, third, and fourth hand. Right. And that those behaviors are the ones that they're going to adopt. They're the ones that are okay. I mean, I don't know if you have kids, but go ahead and swear in front of a toddler and see what happens. <laughs> and that's the culture that you have. Or say thank you in front of a toddler and say it all the time and watch what happens. It's those little daily actions that are going to drive the behaviors of everyone around you of, mm. above and below and sideways because they're seeing and picking up on this is what is or is not acceptable in the organization, right? And, and the most pointed reminder I, I ever got of this concept was I was walking in the office at Scott's miracle Grow one day, and you can imagine what their lawn and their gardens look like, right? I mean, like <laughs> amazing, just phenomenal. And it was, it's a farmer kind of culture, right? We'd get in the office really, really early farmer mindset, agrarian kind of thing. And I was walking in the office through the garden and there was a soda can sitting on the ground next to the trash can. Mm. I reached out and picked it up, threw it in the trash, went about my day. And that afternoon, an individual from like a totally different business unit came by my office and they knocked on my door and I knew who they were, but I had never really interacted with them. And they said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm like, yeah, sure. They said, I saw what you did this morning. And all of a sudden my brain starts racing, like what I do, what I do, like <laughs> paranoid, do. like I, I didn't speed, I didn't curse at anybody. Like, you know, like, well, what, what do you mean? You saw what I did. He said, when you were walking in the building, I saw you stopped and picked up that soda can and threw it in the trash. And I'm like, what? Oh yeah, yeah, that. He said, you really care about this place, don't you? I said, yeah, I do, I'm proud to work here. He's like, that's kind of cool. And he just left, that's it. <laughs> I don't know who he talked to. I don't know if he talked to anybody. I don't know if he told that story. But that one small action when nobody is looking, somebody saw it, right? Somebody was looking. And that registers for them. When, when you're you know, a manager, director, vice president, SVP, doesn't matter what your title is, if you're a formal or informal leader, those behaviors are being watched. And that's how culture gets built. Right? It, it's the sum of those daily actions that lead to the culture that you have. Now you got to ask, is that the culture that you want? Because it takes a really long time to shift it. Mm. So if you were to think of um, one daily action that would be appropriate for any leader as a key part of this, um, building a culture through our own actions, our own daily actions, what, what's the first one that comes to mind for you? You sit down and talk to somebody on your team and not superficially, not about work topics like how's the project going, where are we on milestones or budget or whatever. You sit down and you just talk to somebody about what's going on in their life and not like a creepy way, right? Like, but just <laughs> how are you? And they'll give you, I'm good. No, no, no. Seriously. How are you? What's going on? You know, is, is, is the work you're doing okay? Is it exciting? Are the things that are frustrating you here? You know, anything going on outside of work that I should know about, you know, things that you're excited about, things that you're not. And just sit down and spend five minutes talking to somebody, genuinely talking to them. Put away the phone, okay? Get away from the monitor, you know, just a hallway conversation or grab coffee. Just talk to somebody, somebody on your team every single day. You will be blown away first by the things that you learn. Um, second, by the impact it has. Oh my gosh, they actually sat down and talked with me and genuinely cared about what's mm. going on in my life. Gee, I think I should probably care about what I do here in the organization. I mean, that, that's the implied 
calculus that they go through without even realizing it. But you're doing it because it's right. I hope, I hope you're leading because you actually care about people. Mm. So go ahead and demonstrate that every day. Everybody listening to this can do that tomorrow. Like just sit down and talk to somebody. Five minutes, five minutes. Now, what if, um, you know, I, I think an obstacle that many people are going to think of right away is like, yeah, I could, I could do that, but it seems like there's competing priorities. So what, what would your suggestion be to make sure that this becomes a daily action with at least one team member and not just something that we say, yeah, I, I really want to do that. Yeah, I know I should, but it just never happens. How, how, what's your advice for closing that gap? Tell, tell me a higher competing priority than taking care of your team who actually executes the work in your organization. Name one other than safety. Okay, safety. <laughs> but name one. There isn't. What are you going to go do? Email? You're going to look at a cat video on YouTube. That's what you're going to do. You're going to do email and you're not going to respond to any of them or you're going to do some expense reporting or whatever, right? You're, you're, you're going to waste that time. So why not just put in focus time, make it part of your routine every single day. Go to the coffee machine, right? If you're in the office, go to the coffee machine and hang out and talk to the first person who comes by or have lunch with somebody or do at least one lap. You know, I, I always say that the less work you do, the more work gets done. And what I mean by that is we have this concept of work of I'm sitting in front of a monitor, pecking away at the keys, writing an email, what, you know, doing a presentation. That's work. No, it's not. The less of that you do, the more of your work as a leader gets done because you're mm. freeing up the time to go have those conversations. And, and look, yeah, the remote world, it's terrible. Like, oh, Zoom and I hate it. OK, pick up the phone. Just the, you don't even have to be on camera. Pick up the phone and just be like, hey, Matt, how's it going? Good. What's going on? Nothing. I actually just wanted to talk. I just wanted to check in, see how you are, see how things are going, see if there's anything I can be helpful with. Yeah, I have this project that's going, no, Matt, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the budget. I'm not talking about Matt. How is Matt doing? And, and at first it's going to feel weird. And Matt's going to go, okay, what is going on? You know, does the boss have like some terminal disease? Like it, it's going to be weird at first. But the more you do it and the more genuine you are about it, the easier it is for you, the more comfortable it is, and the more your team is going to open up and appreciate it. Um, and it. And then it becomes part of the routine. Love it. Love it. All right. So now there's no, there's no segue to this one. It's just one that I don't know what the heck you're talking about, Mike. So but we got it. We got to talk about rubber bands. So what do you mean when you're talking about rubber bands are the most, one of the most important things we need to be doing as leaders and yeah. and then and how do we execute so let, let's what is this what are you talking about with rubber bands yeah i mean i got i got a bunch of them i keep on my desk and for those watching on video you can see me playing with them a rubber band so if you think about it if you stretch a rubber band vertically okay so that's you and that's your bandwidth and down at the bottom of your rubber band towards your desk that's the stuff you can do in your sleep super easy but those are tasks that you do every single day without thinking about them at the top of the rubber band as you stretch it is stuff that you can do. It takes work. It's hard, but you're competent and capable there. And what happens as leaders is we're asked to stretch up, right? Our managers come to us. They give us a development opportunity. They stretch us up. And what happens is we just put tension on the system, okay? Now, there's a few options here. One, we can maintain that tension on the system, and that rubber band will eventually snap, mm -hmm. and that's a bad outcome. The second thing that happens is we say, wow, there's a lot of tension on the system and we actually revert and we take some of that pressure off, but we move it by moving, we do it by moving back down to the things we're comfortable with. 
because that stuff we've been asked to stretch up into is uncomfortable. We're bad at it. We don't, we don't do it right. It's confusing. It's a lot of hard work. So you know what? I'm going to do some of the things that I know how to do. And I may even focus on some of the things at the bottom of the rubber band because, well, I feel really good and I can knock those out and, you know, I'm super confident there mm -hmm. and I feel good and it builds self-esteem. So those are our, the two common choices, either snapping or reverting. The third choice is you stretch up, but then you got to figure out how to release the tension on the bottom of the rubber band. Mm. And that's where we stop doing things. That's where we automate, we delegate, um, we hire more people for them to grow up into that space. And we let their rubber band stretch up into that space. Now, as a leader, you have an obligation also to make sure your people don't snap. So when you stretch them up into that space, recognize you just put tension on their rubber band mm. and you got to help them release the things at the bottom of their rubber band. So hire more staff or delegate or take projects off their off their plate and say no to things. And, and if everybody's stretching up and then releasing that anchor and stretching up and releasing that anchor, that whole organization is growing and it's creating growth opportunities behind them. Mm. So that rubber band, I, I keep them on my desk all the time. First is a reminder for me that I got to be untethering the bottom of my rubber band, but also I should be having this conversation with leaders to help them grow. Mm. So what's, um, what do you think is the, the fastest way the the most direct way that a leader can help relieve that tension on the bottom for people that we're, we're really encouraging to stretch up. Yeah. Take a piece of paper, divide it into quarters. And I'm just talking like four horizontal slices. Okay. At the, in the bottom slice, I want you to write all the stuff that is super basic. You can do it in your sleep. I can build the model. I can do the Excel. I can do the T&E reports, what, you know, build the graphs, whatever it is, the stuff you can do in your sleep that goes in the bottom quarter. I want you to then write in that top quarter, the things your manager is asking you to do new things that you're uncomfortable with. You're not sure about, you can't do them yet. Um, you have no idea how to do them, but they're new tasks that you're being asked to do. Mm. Then in those middle two boxes, I want you to kind of stratify a bit, right? So there, that second from the bottom is the things that you can do. They take work, but you're reasonably comfortable to like 90%. You can do them without too much extra effort. And then the ones in that third box from the bottom are things that you got to work hard at, but you can do them. You can do them well, but it is a lot of effort and planning. Um, and it is part of your current core responsibilities. And once you have that stratification, then you can say, all right, for that stuff in that bottom layer, where does it go? And, and you can either say, I'm going to stop doing that. The organization just doesn't benefit from it. So let's just stop that work mm. or stop that project. Or I'm going to delegate this stuff or I'm going to buy my way out of it. So I'm going to hire consultants or part-time workers to take that work off my plate and figure out where is that work going to go over the next three months and start taking action on it. And that's how we untether. And you can go through the same exercise with your team members as well, right? And have them create the same list and help them figure out how to get those things off the bottom of that rubber band. And what's your, what's your path for um, kind of, so let's look at the top of the rubber band now where you're trying to determine what's worth really stretching for uh, as you're, you know, you've, you've got, let, let's say you've got seven direct reports, you know, and you're, you're trying to think about, all right, where, where do I need to take these people next? Um, what, what's your guidance for like really having a, a, a plan of action for helping stretch these people up? So they, so they become the next uh, leaders in the organization. Yeah. 
you know, it's the things on my rubber band that I'll look at delegating. I may be really deliberate about it and say, gee, Matt's on my team. Matt's never done financial analysis. He doesn't know how to do a performa. I can do them in my sleep. And you know what? I'm going to delegate that to Matt and I'm going to coach him and I'm going to develop him because he needs to build that skill. Mm. And by the way, there are going to be things that I delegate that I go, sorry, Matt, this is not fun. Um, I know you can do it. I need to stop doing it so I can do these other things. So you get some development stuff and you get some of my garbage work that I should stop doing. Right. And, and you balance it out. You don't want to dump all the garbage on one person, but there are some things that are just not going to be developmental, but you shouldn't be spending your time and energy on them. As you're thinking about your top tier, a lot of that is going to be designated for you by your leader. Who's going to say, Mike, you're taking this on and, this is a development thing and this is not, but there may be discretionary things in there. And, and that's where you've got to think through your own development path. Where are you trying to go? What kind of future roles do you want? And what are the skills and or experiences you need to have to be qualified to take those roles on? So for example, if I've never done something related to regulatory work, right? And I may find out, hey, we got a big regulatory project going on, the regulators are in, I may actually, sounds crazy, volunteer to be on that project. And people are like, oh my gosh, who wants to do regulatory work? Well, you know what? For me to eventually be a CEO, I need to understand the regulations that govern us mm. and the way regulators think. And this project is going to be a great way for me to have that experience. You know what? Sign me up. And guess what? There's not going to be anybody else in line chasing that one <laughs> right. down, right? Um, but, but this is how you have to think about those development experiences, say, for that future role I want, two, three, four levels away, what are the experiences and skills that person needs to have to be successful? Mm. And then it's a shopping list, right? It's a shopping list. You check off the ones you already got and then the ones you don't, you're going to be looking for where's an opportunity that I can check off one of those boxes and get that experience or build that skill. Fantastic. Mike, uh, this has been this has been really helpful for me personally, as you probably guessed. Um, I, <laughs> I had a lot of follow up questions, and I have more actually, but I don't want to keep you all day. Um, so I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to jump on uh, to the Business Leadership Today podcast today. Thanks again. Absolutely, thanks for having me, and uh, good luck, everybody. You know, go talk to your people. You may be surprised where you are. Awesome. For those of you who want to uh, learn more about Mike, um, the website where you can find him and his team is thoughtleadersllc.com. And we'll also have his 10 big ideas on the show notes at businessleadershiptoday.com. And in case you have trouble finding his website, you can always go to Business Leadership Today. We'll have links to his LinkedIn profile, his website, his books, and the show notes all right there. So until the next time I have an opportunity to interact with you and hopefully um, provide some value to you with this podcast or in some other means, um, I wish you great success building a world-class organization that's making a positive impact on the lives of your team members and on the community. Take care. <laughs>